Voice of Fintech. This episode of the Financial Market Series is brought to you by SIX, the Swiss Exchange Group. If you would like to learn more about SIX, please go to www.six-group.com. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by Sven. Sven is the head of connectivity at SIX, and we're going to talk about open banking in Europe and Switzerland some of the solutions that uh, Swens teams produce to connect and help fintechs and the banks and ultimately benefit the users. Sven, how are you today? Great, Rudy. Thank you. And uh, thank you for having me. So you're the head of uh, connectivity at SIX. So what does that mean? What's your team's mandate? Our team's mandate basically is um, to launch our open banking hub, uh, B-Link. We're targeting uh, Swiss banks and uh, Swiss software providers uh, which we often refer to uh, refer to uh, third-party providers or TPP, probably going to come up a bit in our talk. With this product, we we actually our goal is to support the collaboration between the financial institution, uh, institutions and providers of innovative solutions. This could be fintechs, but also we see a lot of established software providers who who, uh, who are offering uh, those innovative solutions uh, in the market, and. We believe this is this is more important than ever because uh, open banking can help banks meet the demands of, of customers and, and what are customers demanding? They're demanding more innovative solutions, they're demanding more digital solutions, and um, and in times of eroding margins, a few banks actually can deliver this on their own. Uh, so this is really uh, the chance for banks to collaborate with these third parties to address these challenges, and in the end, it creates a win-win-win situation. Uh, because the customer receives a better offering, the bank stays relevant for the customer, and the third party can create an offering which they hadn't been able to do uh, on their own. Okay. Well, open banking has been a major topic uh, for a while in Europe, around the world, and PSD2 has been in, uh, in place for a few years in, in, uh, in Europe. Where do you think we are today in Switzerland and, and Europe? I think here it's important to, to look uh, a bit on the global level, we, we see uh, open banking initiatives uh, all over the world. And you can typically categorize them in two categories. One is uh, driven by the regulators. Uh, this could be uh, the, you know, the EU with the PSD2 regulation. And then there's also market-driven uh, initiatives where players come together and, and they create an offering. Um, this is an mm -hmm. example of Switzerland, but also maybe in, in the U.S., and in my view, I think the UK is one of the leading markets. Uh, the UK has seen uh, just in, in this February uh, 350 million API calls. So this could be a TPP getting an account statement from a bank that would be an API call. And 350 million per month is, is an incredible, incredible number. Um, and this mainly has two reasons. One, uh, the UK has a large fintech community with London as, as the hub. And also the regulation in the UK uh, did not only regulate banks to open up, but they even went further and provided rules how to open up. In the PSD2, there was a different approach. The PSD2 only regulated the fact that banks have to open up, but then they left it to the market to determine the details. Uh, for example, what API standards are being used. And, and the result, what we can see now, uh, since the PSD2 has come into effect last September, it resulted in a fragmented situation with different API standards, um, like the Berlin Group, but there are also different standards. 
And then now to your question, I think it's fair to say that Switzerland is, is behind developments in, in the EU and the UK. I think part of the reason is that it takes a bit longer to align, align the interest in the markets uh, and build, some, uh, build out some of the basic requirements that is required for open banking. Uh, but I think also it's not necessarily a bad thing because it means that we can also learn from other markets. Right. Uh, but I want to pick up on something that you said uh, earlier as well. And uh, and I heard that from some of the senior leaders regarding the PSD2 that were saying that it's not balanced, that uh, only the fintechs are required to provide the data to the banks, but not the other way around. And in some markets, in some products, it can be actually uh, more interesting to do it the other way around. So what is your view on this and uh, how we can leverage that uh, for the development in Switzerland? I think it's important to understand that open banking is about fostering the collaboration between financial institutions and, and third parties like those fintechs. And what does it mean? I think ultimately it means it's a two-way street, right? Collaboration is always a two-way street. Uh, it means that there's sharing of data uh, in both ways. Not only the banks have to share data, but also fintechs, uh, they, they have a lot of data which could be interesting uh, to use for banks in their processes. But I think it also means that making sure that both sides have sufficient level of security with, in dealing with the, uh, with the sensitive data. And also that there's uh, elements on how to deal with disputes and liabilities. So the contractual framework is important. And, and if we then look at uh, the PSD2, you could say that a lot of these elements have actually been tipping a bit in favor to the, uh, towards the TPP. So the regulator actually uh, decided that... Um, that the TPP gets uh, a bit of the advantage on most of the situations, but it's also important that the TPP is also being regulated in the EU. So the TPP also has to prove that they fulfill the basic requirements towards security. I think looking at Switzerland again, I think this is another benefit of the situation that we have. Banks have the chance to be part of this solution. They can help shape it without the need of a regulator to step in. But at the same time, it's it is also a call for banks to get active and, and not drag this out too long, right? right? It's now is the time to get involved in this topic. Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about it already that uh, in the EU and the UK and Switzerland, there are slightly different approaches. And similarly to the electrical sockets where we ended up with different systems around the world, do you think that will be the case here as well? Or can we still avoid it? I can understand the argument. Uh, and I hear it a lot. Wouldn't it be nice if we all got together and agreed on, on one common standards? But it also, uh, it sounds nice in theory, uh, but the truth often is more complex than that. In Switzerland, we're in the early days of open banking, and, and we actually have a number of players and initiatives, and they all start out from their different positioning in the market, right? We have banking vendors like Avalok, and they're trying to create an open banking system with a very technical view, because that's kind of where they come from. Uh, we have a similar thing with IT outsourcing providers for banks uh, like Swisscom, and that six-hour approach is a bit different. We not only focus on the technical aspect, we do have the technical expertise to run reliable and scalable financial infrastructure. But I think we also understand the challenges that banks have with regard to uh, legal and compliance. I myself have launched a number of collaborations within a, a large bank in Switzerland. And this has always been what has taken so long for, uh, for launching such a solution. It's the, the, um, the discussions and the requirements that, you have to, that a bank has to fulfill in terms of legal and in terms of compliance. And, uh, and 
that's exactly why we we designed the solution B-Link uh, in a way that we we do solve the problems uh, and uh, and address how to technically interlink financial institutions and third-party provider, but we go beyond that. We provide a legal framework uh, that that helps and sets the uh, the uh, rules for these partners to to collaborate. And then we go even one step further, and uh, we we provide and ensure that all the all the elements that a bank has to comply with from the regulations that they have to uh, have to be compliant with, we ensure that uh, that is also part of the solution, and that actually the TPPs that are on our platform they go through some uh, some admission process, which makes these basic checks on security uh, that I mentioned before. I think that's, in the end, the, the unique uh, selling proposition of uh, what we are bringing to the market with, uh, with B-Link. It's, it's these basic building elements that you need, the technical interface, the contractual framework, and the compliance solution that will enable you to really generate and scale an ecosystem and, uh, and uh, have a collaboration with, with a wide range of TPPs. Before you launch a product, which is actually a platform connecting many players in the ecosystem, obviously you need to test it and you need to develop it with those players. And I know that you launched a pilot program on data exchange with Credit Suisse, UBS, Clara and Abacus last summer. What were the learnings from that development process and how did that feed into the final product? It's an interesting question. Um, our biggest learning, uh, and I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions in open banking that I currently see, is that open banking is a technical topic. It's it's very easy to think that because if you read into open banking, you know, in the in the third line, you usually find API, and then it, uh, you think, oh, it must be technical, and that's very misleading because first and foremost, it's a question of strategy. It's a question of strategy for banks and TPPs. They have to understand what does open banking mean. Uh, for my offering in each segment and even in sub-segments of each segment. Uh, so what does open banking mean for retail clients? What does open banking mean uh, maybe for, my, uh, for, uh, for students, for senior people in, in, in that segment? And that, I think, is the most important question that a bank has to answer. And then also for us, we actually, uh, in a way, had the same misconception. We started with the technical part and actually... The technical part of the platform has been running for months uh, with productive client data. So it's the first project where the technical part was done uh, before the rest of the project. What took us longer than expected is to get the contractual framework right, because we knew that it was crucial to ensure that um, a participant on the B-Link platform must only sign one paper contract uh, and not have to sign a paper contract every time they want to exchange data with uh, someone else on the platform. And then the other element of the solution, uh, what we call the admission process, is where we ensure that all participants operate a sound and secure uh, um, um, company. And, and this is a very important for banks because from the regulatory requirements, they have to perform due diligence on the third parties that they exchange customer data with. So in the end, our goal was really to create a solution where SIX performs the due diligence once and the banks can rely, uh, can rely on us and in the end, this really saves, saves effort for all participants of the ecosystem and ensures that we can scale the ecosystem up. And, and this really is, if you also look at the other solutions, uh, for me, the unique part of, of our solutions that we have these three elements in place. All right. So Six now offers B-Link, which is a platform for APIs that is available financial, for financial institutions, but also software providers and financial services providers. 
what are the benefits to the users and how does it all work? There, there are some core benefits which hold true for, for all applications, for all APIs uh, of Beelink. And then obviously, if you go into the different, uh, if you go into the different APIs, there's, there's then different benefits. If we now look at the core first, um, one big element is, is how users can, uh, can activate uh, um, and, and link basically the third party provider offerings with, uh, with their bank accounts. And it, it's fully digital. It's three steps that they have to do. Uh, and, and it doesn't take more than three minutes. And this is really crucial because uh, we need to have a smooth end uh, customer activation. Um, on top of that, of course, they want to know that their data is safe and we rely on modern security uh, to ensure that, that secure transfer of data. And then the last element is an element of transparency, right? The user has to give consent um, so that the a bank uh, is allowed to share um, his or her data with a third-party provider. Um, and there should also be uh, um, an interface where the user can go in and can see who have I provided consent in the past and also can revoke that consent. These are very, ele very crucial elements um, of, of the core product. And if we then look um, into, into the different APIs, um, and we maybe take one, one of our APIs, uh, which uh, is account information. So um, it's the ability of uh, third-party providers to get the information on your account um, uh, via API. And I think there we will only, over the long run, understand the full benefits uh, what we can really build with this uh, with these APIs, but just imagine this, right? For many entrepreneurs and small medium companies, it's it's quite normal that they issue invoices and then they go manually into their e banking every morning and they check what invoice has been paid, um, if they should send a reminder to an invoice that is overdue, and, and just imagine the time that this takes every day, and it actually takes time away from taking care of their core business, um, and. What we do with the combination of modern uh, accounting systems like Clara and, and Amaninja um, is we enable those accounting systems to access the account information uh, on their account. So what happens, the new experience is um, the, uh, the entrepreneur or the SME now uh, uses that accounting system and in the morning uh, they will automatically see uh, what invoices have been paid. Um, the system then can automatically also issue uh, issue notices for overdue uh, payments and it's fully automatic so it gives actually time back to to take care of their core business and and that's one of the elements how um, how these apis can really deliver value for the end customer okay so you're connecting the banks with the fintechs for the benefit of the end customers right so it's essentially a b2bc model so how does the uh, onboarding process work for instance for both the fintechs and the end users. I mean, you mentioned that a little bit for the end users, but also, you know, for the fintechs, when they want to work with the banks, they don't have six months of going through the procurement process, uh, which is not tailored to them. And that's why a lot of the yes. lot of the players in the ecosystem are streamlining this. So how does that work for you? Yes, I think that's a very important. So for the end users, um, as I mentioned, the end users will have a front end in their e-banking, for example, where they can go and they can basically enable the B-Link offering saying these are the accounts that I want to share data with. Uh, and also they, they can determine the scope, you know, should it only be read only, uh, only account information or should the third party provider right. also be able to, to send over payments. 
And then in the, in the case of, of third parties, we call them participants, right? It's banks and third-party providers. These, uh, these participants, they go through what we call an admission process on, on the platform. We are just now doing the first admissions with, uh, with our first banks and TPPs. And um, our goal uh, was there to, to create a process where it ensures that all the participants on the platform are set up as a sound business and have the proper security elements. And I always call this, you know, this is a fitness test, right? You have, uh, especially for the TPPs, they have to get to a level where banks are allowed to share data with them. And oftentimes this is for especially uh, concerning security elements. So for example, how does a TPP prevent against a rogue admin that, uh, that maybe wants to get access to data that he should not have? Um, and there it's, uh, it's the admission process. And we go through it. Uh, we go through it once, and it's like a fitness program. But you ha only have to go through it once, uh, and not for every bank, right? And that's where where our promise comes in, and where we try to also standardize this element of collaboration. Because today the TPPs have to go through different kind of uh, of those similar exercises with all the banks that they want to connect. Okay. So the billing connects the third-party providers or fintechs and the banks, ultimately benefiting the end users. These end users are retail clients or corporate clients or you know or both. It's correct that the first application that we're launching, uh, uh, we're focusing on professional end clients because we saw the clear need there. Right? We we we've seen in the market the modern accounting tools, cloud-based accounting tools, customers. SMEs and entrepreneurs, they really have taken up uh, these, these tools and they want to have that automatic feature that I mentioned, I mentioned before. But Beeling itself is set up to support any kind of segments. In fact, we do not even see the content of the data packages that we are routing from bank to third-party providers. So for any new applica application we launch, it's important to understand that we always require a group of what we call service providers. So the participants that have the data and group of service users. Uh, these are participants that are consuming the data and turning that into a service for the end client. And we are interested in launching new applications for any segment, uh, given that we see a minimum demand on, on both sides, right? It's important to understand that we as six cannot develop any and launch any APIs with that, without that, that comprehensive support from service providers providing data and also service users consuming data. All right, understood. And now on to the real life question. So how do you make money from the platform? We built our model as much as possible on the pay-per-use principle. It's our goal to keep the barriers of entry to the platform as low as possible and that the participants uh, only pay as they're using the service and actually deriving value from it, right? So at the minimum, what we do is we take a small infrastructure free per API call. So that could be delivering of, of an account statement from both sides, the service provider and the service user. And this is basically to keep, uh, to keep the lights on. On top of that, we build our platform in a way that the service provider, for example, the bank offering account information, can determine if it wants to have, offer the service for free or if it wants to uh, charge something for that service so to monetize the API that they're offering through our platform. And if we enable, in that case, the service provider to create some revenue based on our platform, then, then SIX takes a percentage as the operator of the platform. So this is very similar to, to the App Store, uh, maybe of Apple, where a developer can offer an app for free 
or if they actually offer the app for uh, for price, then that Apple will will take a cut, a percentage of that fee, because in the end, the platform was uh, was the element that enabled this to to monetize this in the first place. I think what's important about this model is also to understand that also TPPs I mentioned before the two way street. TPPs can become service providers and offer data to banks. And obviously then this also will uh, enable them to create new revenue streams uh, from, from that data. So it shows how open banking really is a collaboration that, that goes in, in both ways. Okay, so Beelink is now active. So what are your plans for, for the rest of the year for your team? Yeah, um, you could think uh, we, can, we can go into vacation now, but uh, the, quite the opposite is the case. Um, obviously now um, this is only the first step, right? We have to now show that we can get to, to relevance uh, in the market means we need to onboard more banks. We need to onboard more uh, TPPs. And as you can imagine, we, we are in, in a number of talks with, uh, with both of these elements of the platform, because in the end we need to, we need to build the platform and make sure that both sides are uh, equal to a degree and that we solve this chicken egg problem that you have in platform businesses. All right. Another element, I think what's important is to increase our efforts to to educate the Swiss market about open banking and, and our solutions. So um, so that that really is uh, is our focus also for this year. And uh, where can people find out more about Beeling? Is there a demo that uh, people can see, or how does that work? Yes. So all of our information uh, we have on our uh, website. Um, we'll make sure that we link it uh, also um, in in the show notes. It's uh, a six group.com uh, slash b link b dot link and there you'll find information on how to get access also to our test environment thank you sven and good luck to b link thank you this episode of the financial market series was brought to you by six the swiss exchange group if you'd like to learn more about six please go to six group.com